I'm going to tell you how it's going to be. With Peggy Mount Podfanity. Watch your telly all night and day. Then drink and swear, not fade away. Drink and swear, not fade away. Drink and swear, not fade away. Every recording is profane as the first, or we'll give you a new podcast. You can listen to the Peggy Mount Calamity Hours filth forever. Drink and swear, not fade away. This week on Peggy Mount's podcast. It's like being in a library when you're watching this. <laughs> there's a lot of quiet, and yes. there's a lot of speaking in hushed tones. Yeah. And then... You, you, juxtaposed against the clippy clop of shoes on the floor. Yeah, I think Graham Garden's been given tap shoes. They approach what used to absolutely, and this will come as no shock, absolutely terrified me as a kid. I was mortified yep. at the evaporator bit. There we go. That's it. I'm getting there. There we are. Oh, oh. We're up against the Armands, and. I love that Robinson doesn't even bother to say good evening. He's so determined he to crack know. on. He's just like, and yes. here we are. <laughs> So we've established that neither of us can do the impression. Yes, yes, we have, yes. Are you all right? Hello and welcome to the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour, the second episode in this new series. I'm Dr Velvet. I am Blackout. And we are here to talk about some 1980s television. Yes, hello you. Thanks for swinging by for our casual cultural critique of vintage television, where Britain's best-loved battle axe is never far from our minds, because here, all roads lead to the mountain. And if you go over to PeggyMountPod.com, info and links for the episodes we're discussing is in the show notes, providing they're still up on their various platforms. You can find us on the socials, get in touch to say hello, or suggest programmes you'd like us to cover. Um, before we crank the handle, Dr Velvet, I've got to ask, what are you drinking? Well, do you know, I'm pushing the boat out today. Yep, I had a bit of a look on the GGs, so I'm drinking a Chateauneuf de Pap. <laughs> right you are. Bit of red wine, bit of uh, red wine. Got uh-huh. a tip, got a tip. Uh, the 420 at Haymarket, Audra's Knockers. And uh, they came in for me, and uh, with the winnings, I thought, I'll have a, I'll have a shat nerf to pap. So, um, yeah, there you go. What about your good self? Uh, after last week's craft beer debacle, I have gone for a bottle of Moretti. Oh, I do like a Moretti, especially if the sun's yeah. out. Yeah. It's, a, it's a proper, proper thirst quencher, that is. Exactly this. It, it, it's almost as nice as Chateauneuf de Pape, which is a beautiful, beautiful wine. It's the wine of podcasters, you know. It was on Look North. I'm just trying. I want, I want free wine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when you're drinking beer, do you do you get an appetite? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I occasionally get a bit peckish the further on I get. Yeah, why is that? Well, I just wonder, would you like an apple? This again. Um, I, I think I'm all right for, for an apple just now. Thank you very much. I'll be... No, I, no. I, I should be fine. Sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll move on. Off we go to Parts Unexplored.
The Adventure Game was an activity game show which ran on the BBC from 1980 to 86. Seizing on the public's love for all things sci-fi, it took two celebrity contestants and a member of the public to the other side of the galaxy in the planet Arg, where they have to solve puzzles in order to win their way back to Earth. Devised by Patrick Dowling and hosted by the shape-shifting Argons Gandor, Christopher Lever and Gnord, Charmian Gradwell, a series of long-running in-jokes serve as world-building on ARG, while futuristic minimalism stands in for a production budget in double figures. We've watched the first episode of Series 2, originally broadcast on the 2nd of November 1981 at 5 past 6 on BBC Two. Our place for this outing are Carol Chell, out of the Play Schools, Graham Garden, out of the Goodies, Nicholas Hammond, out of being good at the Rubik's Cubes, and they're joined by Leslie Judd, out of the Blue Peters. Yeah, um... This was an arresting beginning for me, you see. Quite arresting. Because right. we're into Series 2. Yeah. We're into Series 2, mm-hmm. yeah? And I'd forgotten that it had had a bit of a shake-up. And you get yourself sat there for the adventure game and you're ready Yeah. for Duo in G, Opus 34. And instead, what we actually get is Grieg's Norwegian Dance, Opus 35. So I immediately was sat upright in my chair going, what's yeah. this now? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Played by a brass band, no less. Yes. And then, and then, oh, let's let's completely bugger about with the, fo- with the format. And, and here are the contestants uh, pulling up to the studio. What's this about here? Yeah, I love that despite the industrial amounts of exposition opening the show, there's little to no uh-huh. actual context for what the fuck's going on once the contestants begin. Absolutely none whatsoever. In yeah. Series 1, we get no exposition whatsoever. We get a little... At the beginning of each episode, we get a little sort of prologue whereby the the people of Arg are saying, oh, I'm excited for the people to arrive, and the people just arrive. There's no, right, oh, okay. wa- walk through the studio and you go into the space transporter and off you go. What's that? I don't, we don't need that. Um, and it, to be honest, it was a bit illusion shattering. That it wasn't easy for me to say on the Chateauneuf de Pap. A bit <laughs> illusion shattering. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure if I was keen on that. Uh, really? Yeah, I sort of understand why they put Dowling in at the very beginning. I mean, yeah, you know, it's his show. That's fine. He's not going to appeal yeah. it. He's literally just in for that introduction. Mm-hmm. And in my notes, I've got that Gandor and Gnord. I've called them hosts. But it definitely feels like no one is hosting this show, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just left to get on. It's... Do you think they're just casual coordinators? <laughs> Very casual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. And I'm... can I just point out a very important point, a very uh, crucial deficit mm. in this series? No Moira Stewart. She's uh-huh. left Arg. She's gone. She's got she's packed her jumpsuits and her silver heels and she's gone. So was she in it throughout the first series then? She was, yes. Right, she okay. lived on Arg. So so she, basically that's why Leslie Judd is in this one. Basically it's I like get a, that a feeling. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she's the yeah, okay, no, student of season. That two. makes slightly more sense. Uh-huh. But yeah, overall, I um I like the sort of the shambolic nature of it. I get the feeling uh, that yeah. that's not by design. More to do the, with the fact that none of the puzzles are introduced properly, and the, so the contestants can just clack loudly around an empty soundstage uh, until yeah. Gander or Gnord just gets shoved onto the set by the production manager. It feels yeah. like it definitely feels like a mashup of the Crystal Maze and an escape room before either of those were really a thing. I like that. 
yes, yes, it's uh, it's it's pretty much that. Um, I can't be denied. Um, contestants, uh, decent choice. I mean, as random as series one. So we've got Graham Garden, as yeah. you said. Fine, absolutely. Um, Carol Chell. Uh-huh. It's great to see her outside of the play schools. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was good to see her. Last time I saw her was in the last ever episode of uh, Matt Smith's reign as Doctor Who. Oh, okay. She pl- she played a dweller on a planet, yes, where you can't tell lies. Um, yes, yeah, I, I, I leapt up and shrieked, Carol Chell. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, following a trend there. Chloe Ashcroft was in a uh, uh, Peter Davison Dalek episode of Doctor Who. But okay. there we are. We'll not go, we'll not go down the Who path. Um, and Nick Hammond. Initially, when I heard Nicholas Hammond, I thought, is this is this Peter Parker of the ill-fated Spider-Man TV series fame? Uh, no, it wasn't at all. At first, I thought it was a young Brian Cox. To be fair, right, yep, yeah, I get that. Now, obviously, I had to look up who he is. Mm-hmm. Because, again, Dowland doesn't really introduce him properly. He just goes, oh, yeah, he's a whiz with a cube. And you're like, what? Um, mm-hmm. In the early 80s, Nicholas Hammond was famous for doing the Rubik's Cubes really fast. Mm-hmm. That's kind of about it. That's fine. That's his thing, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. He was on Swap Shop. He was on Paul Daniel's Magic Show and this episode yeah, this of The Adventure it. Game. That's kind of about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I, I did look him up. According to his own website, mm-hmm. I'll put the link in the show notes. Have a look. Nicholas Hammond says, and this is a quote, Unfortunately, I had never seen the show nor heard of it until I was on it, end quote. You had heard of television, though, right, Nicholas? And that you were on yeah. it at this time, that you were being filmed. Right, OK. <laughs> Bless him. I discovered the adventure game completely by accident right. one Saturday afternoon. The okay. BBC were fond once in a while of, play, of putting out Play Away on a Saturday afternoon right? Um, at around about the two o'clock mark. And I was kind of watching that. And then this thing happened. And because it was sci-fi, I was, I was hooked. The <laughs> first episode I ever saw involved Noel Edmonds and I was eating dry roasted peanuts at the time. There you are. And and a bread bun, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I I loved it. I didn't understand it, but yeah. I loved it. At the very very start of this, when it opens, Dowlin, mm. the series creator, he opens the show and just says, "Welcome to Adventure Game." He leaves off the the. Even he the does. guy who created this doesn't know what it's called. Yeah. His own introduction states that the contestants haven't been told anything at all about how it'll work. That figures. It's like watching a rehearsal. It is like watching a rehearsal. It is. Do you know, it was conceived um, because, or rather, shall we say, influenced by the um, the producer and Dowlin, the divisor, yeah. their mutual love of Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, yeah, I sort of saw that when I was doing it. I'll call it research. When I was reading things about this on Wikipedia. And yeah, it's like how Dowlin liked Dungeons and Dragons and wanted to sort of transfer a bit of energy to television. I'm fine with that. Um, you know me, I was always more a Warhammer kid than a D&D kid, but it's basically the same sort of thing. I don't recall any D&D or Warhammer game where the DM just comes in every 10 minutes and goes, have you not finished that yet? And then fucks off again. Right. <laughs> there's, no, there's no sort of guidance in this. There's no sort At of like, all. you know... <laughs> Oh, let's, let's, let's coax the contestants along. No, no, they just shoved into a big empty room and left to figure something out without even being told what they're figuring out. Anything at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, um, 
going back to the sets, and I mentioned I had a favourite bit. I'm pleased they kept the floor with the shapes on. I loved that. I loved that in the first series. It's and definitely a defining it. feature of it. It is. Because, um, again, it's a very cheap game to play, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's just that, and then setting off a, a bit of a klaxon when someone steps on the wrong thing. That's it. That, and that, that's the game. That klaxon is the only <laughs> thing that breaks what is essentially a very sensory overload with this show. Right. In terms of, in terms of sound. Because you've either got... Qu- it's like being in a library when you're watching this. There's a lot of quiet and yes. there's a lot of speaking in hushed tones. Yeah. And then, you, you, juxtaposed against the clippy-clop of shoes on the floor... Yeah, I think Graham Garden's and, been given tap shoes. Right? All of them. Um, and when they put something down on a hard surface, there's that really they, well-defined um, click. So, yeah, that floor mosaic, right? They're there looking oh. at it, and then about three minutes later, good old comes in and goes, do you like that? She goes... There's a pass across it, one shape, one colour. If you stick to the higher values, you might, you should manage it. Then she goes off again. They're not initially told why they have to get across it. And yep. all that's stopping them walking around is a red line painted on the floor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, yes. The, the production dilemma here is that we have to see the group solving this in real time in order to be able to follow their thought processes. Mm-hmm. You've got to be very, very light on the edit. Otherwise, you know... And the real problem is that it's fucking boring as hell. They're, ju- they're just—they're st- literally stood looking at the floor and muttering. Even the one member of the team who was a professional puzzle solver is burdened by the fact that he has no social interaction skills, so he can't work properly with the other two. Yep, yep. Um, the other male member of the team is a, a qualified doctor and yep. comedian, yeah. and the other one talks condescendingly to children. Yes. Um, what hope? What hope have we got here? You know. And I love that in um, that in that one particular room, where again to like skip forward to something that is far more structurally sophisticated, something like the Crystal Maze. It's like one room, one puzzle. There you go, bang. Uh-huh. You know, it's they work out quickly what they got to do and why they got to do it. All of the objects are the the objectives are the same. Just get the crystal, get out there, fine. Uh-huh. But in this particular room with the floor mosaic. They've got to decode the currency system of the planet to get Leslie Judd out of space prison. Mm-hmm. And they've got to work out how to make that tube go down to press the button. Yes. And it's all in the same round. And at one point, yes. the show literally becomes a televised crossword. No wonder it got shunted down to BBC Two. One of the things that did intrigue me is like the mechanical aspects, the interactive aspects of the puzzles. Yes. So you've got like the slots for the drogness, where it uh-huh. spits out yes. the wrong ones. Uh, you've got the rising and the fallen tube. It's all clearly operated by a set hand crouching inside the unit, just making it work by hand. I love that. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I thought this is this is like in a way puppetry. Um, those operating props have got to be watching monitors to make sure it's all in sync with what's going on. It yeah. must have been a nightmare. Actually, yes. it's a very simple premise, but the execution is is nightmarish. The, quite um, frankly, you see, yeah, this like open ended sort of no-guidance format, it's fine if you're prepared to have your show be about four and a half hours long. But when yes. you've got a gap to fill in the schedules, mm-hmm. it's a fucking mess. 35 minutes in, and Gnord basically just comes in and goes, well, you've achieved fuck all, but we've got 10 minutes to wrap the show up, so come through here now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, OK. Um. <laughs> uh-huh. And they approach 
they approach what used to absolutely, and this will come as no shock, absolutely terrified me as a kid. I was mortified yep. at the evaporator bit. Yep, uh, the the vortex along with oh. the along with the floor mosaic. Yep, there are the the signature games for this. Yeah, they are for, for this entire show. It's a strategy game where you have no idea of your opponent's moves. It sort of works because of how little sense it makes. It's mm-hmm. arguably the most structured part of the entire program. I'll give it that. Yeah, yeah, it is. The evaporator. We 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 see the evaporatory thing, if you like, the vortex uh, yeah. on the grid. Um, it looked like a whirlwind. I was terrified of whirlwinds, hurricanes, <laughs> tornadoes as a kid because I read about them and I saw them in books and that and it was like, oh, they can do this and they kill you and that. Uh-huh. And it reminded us of that. So the fear was set in when mm-hmm, I was watching mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my fear is justified when the likes of... When it when it takes out Carol Chell, harmless Carol Chell from play yeah. school, and then, and then Nick Hammond, gone. Yep. Gone. And, oh, the the... the the sorrow in Graham Garden's face when he's told of their demise. But Graham Garden's already dis- been booted out of the show anyway because they assumed he, he was, what was it, the mole? That's in this right. weird kind of, yeah, we're going to get halfway through the show and then trick one of you into thinking that there's someone else or something. Yeah, It's basically yeah. Leslie Judd's mind games. It's very, very weird. Oh, yeah, isn't it? He gets back in the carriage and away he goes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Chell and Hammond have been evaporated, so they have to walk home. Can I just point something out here? Is it the... You can't walk in space, mind. <laughs> I thought you were going to point out the beautiful bit of uh, London Underground-inspired CSO work there. Big, big fan of I that. Mean, that was fine. I mean, it was, you know, yeah. Yeah, no, I was that good was with that. Right. It was more mm-hmm. interesting than the white sets they've been wandering around for the 40 minutes previous. Uh-huh. So, well, pegs on the line. Where are we at? Well, um... It's it's all right for a bit of lazy afternoon viewing or evening viewing, um, but you just you don't know what's going on and what just what is happening. If you want to switch off and immerse yourself in something that is so completely different, um, actually, I've just realised I'm going on just like the game did. So uh, <laughs> I will basically say four because it's not as good as series one. Ooh, harsh. Um. I can see why the adventure game worked at the time when there was little to compare it against and today it looks like an absolute fucking shambles but I enjoyed it despite and a little bit because of this so I'm giving it 7 out of 9 I need well, one I need one of those sweatshirts and two in my in my mind definitely worth watching for Shami and Gradwell because I'm watching this and I just have flashbacks to an 8 year old thinking I don't know what these feelings are, but my word. There you go. There you go. I agree with you about the sweatshirts. Definitely. That's on a that's on a wish list. Without a doubt. <laughs> but the important question is how yeah. many steps would it take you to make it to the top of the mountain? Ha ha. Well, as it happens, I can do it in two. Adventure Game is co-hosted by Charmaine Gradwell, who starred in 12 episodes of Howard's Way, alongside Stephen Yardley, who also appeared in 1992's A Dream of Dracula, as did Peggy Mao. Ten to one, it was your own fault. I thank you. Your good self, how many steps would it take you to cross the vortex? 
I can also do it in two. Adventure Game is co-hosted by Christopher Lever, who pops up in Poirot and the Theft of the Royal Ruby, along with Nigel Lavalent, who appeared in Casualty Sins of Omission episode, next to Peggy Mount. What's a little yellow beetle? Very good, very good, very good. Marvellous. There we are, there we are. The Adventure Game. It's, it's exhausting doing this, you know. It's exhausting. You can tell with you, 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 you look hungry. You look. Would you? Would you like an apple? Um, I, I think I'm all right with this. Uh, with this beer for the moment. If I do, if I do fancy an apple, I will let yeah. you know. You'll be. You'll be the first to know about it. You let me know. You okay. Let me know. I will. I will. Thank you very much. Hopefully, your stomach won't rumble while we listen to this. You woke up, the sun was shining, and you thought, today's a special kind of day, so you took the kids to the zoo. And then, what about something special for supper? Something as special as lasagna. Layers of pasta, minced beef, and a tasty cheese sauce. Give them something special for tonight. Give them something they're about to like. Findus also do something special with chicken espagnol, rigatoni, beef or chicken curry. Delicious. Give them something different when it's something special because it's got the Findus away. New from Findus. Something special for everyone. We travel into city like the men do. Into city, sitting pretty all the way. So join us on the intercity when you Intercities for you. Just a few drinks with the boys, he said. Well, boys will be boys and girls will be girls and there's only difference in the world. But some people just can't see it. So it makes a pleasant change when someone realises you're a lady and treats you like one. With Cherry Bee, the rich, sweet, heartwarming Cherry Bee taste, especially for girls who are girls. and like their men to know it. Beautiful, it really was. Um, not no mention of an apple, but uh, buy the things, buy those things. Oh, and buy Peggy's puddings. If that's not a facsimile coming through the machine, I don't know what is. Um, that'll be for you, Blackout. It won't be for me. Do you want to have a little look? Let me let me go and have a look. Right, let's have a. <clears throat> uh, dear custodians of the mount. How about oh. an episode where you review Leonard Skinner's 1976 live double LP, Hell is Other People, where Peggy Mount performs guest vocals on 18 of the 21 tracks? I've only got a bootleg, and it feels like no one ever talks about it. Fantastic record. Yours, Ronnie Vincent, Sweet Home Alicante. Well, uh, thanks for getting in touch, Ronnie. As you probably know, 
The live album lived up to its name and was withdrawn and recalled in 1977 following a slander case involving allegations that could be heard being shouted from the audience. And uh, dear Dame Peggy, putting these mouthy ruffians in their place only makes this worse. Every time the release has raised its head in the intervening years, a lawsuit is followed shortly afterwards, and we're not about to make that same mistake again. But ultimately, we're just not a music podcast, I'm afraid, and uh, if that changes, you'll be among the first to know. Absolutely, absolutely. I was never that big a fan of uh, the Leonard Skinnard right. back in the day. Right, right. But I did used to listen to a, a lot of the rock music, uh-huh. much to the annoyance of the people that I lived with, who I like to call my family. Uh-huh. Ask them. Ask the Family was a BBC One game show hosted by Robert Robinson, which ran from 1967 to 1984 over a staggering 275 episodes. In it, our genial host hurls a barrage of general knowledge and wordplay questions at two teams of four, each a nuclear family consisting of two parents and two teenage children. Some questions are to be answered only by certain team members, example, for the dads, and the winning team stays on for the next episode. Other than that, Ask the Family is a straight-up quiz. The episode we've watched here is the 1981 final, originally aired on the 10th of August of that year. The Almonds go up against the Griffiths in what proves to be a tense and furious battle for intellectual supremacy. Yet the theme tune Uh suggests something far from dramatic as we creep into it. It's a very... It's a bland theme tune befitting some filler afternoon show. It's gentle. It's, it's, I, I don't mind that, it's gentle. Well, apart from the beautiful minor chords that we get to mm-hmm. as we as we get into the theme music yeah. that, that lend, lends a sinister and dramatic tone that makes me think, <laughs> ooh, ooh, what's this about here? This, this is, I'll use the word with precision, intriguing. Hmm? Uh-huh. End of titles, and there we are. Oh, Robert Robinson. I could used to do an impression of him. I can't anymore, right. as you've just heard. Um, <laughs> the king of the comb over. I've got here, his hair is fucking glorious. Now, it is. Your dictionary definition comb over style. It's typified by like a, a thin, straggly ribbon of hair petering out as it claws its way over the top of a shining pit. With Robinson's arrangement, it's like someone from wardrobe has laid a strip of chestnut carpet over his bonds. It is ironically luxuriant. It is gorgeous. There we go. That's it. I'm getting there. There we are. Oh, oh. We're up against the Armands. And I love that Robinson doesn't even bother to say good evening. He's so determined he to crack on. He's just like, and yes. here we are. <laughs> so we've established that neither of us can do the impression. Yes, yes, we'll we can. Still, yes. We'll, still, we'll still keep doing it. We'll still keep yeah, going. Yes, I will, because I've got um, quarter of his later on. So, yeah. Good, good. Uh the Armand family. Uh-huh. Here we go. Uh-huh. Um, the, the the father, um, he's a computer consultant. Yes, he is. isn't he? He is. He isn't is, he just, isn't he? Yes, yes. The mother is a student teacher. Now, does that mean... Does that mean she's a student training to be a teacher? Or does that mean she's a teacher who teaches students, as in, like, university-type students rather than school students? I don't want to be rude. She's left it a bit late to be starting a new career, but, you know, fair enough. I mean, Kylie Minogue always taught us it's never too late. So? <laughs> well, je ne sais pas pourquoi. Oui. Then you've got the Griffiths family. Ah. Uh-huh. Ooh. 
Good Lord, mind. <laughs> Mr Griffiths is an office manager. <laughs> he is, isn't he? <laughs> I can absolutely see that. I would not want to be in the same room as him where he's in charge. You wouldn't want to ask him to borrow a pen. Never oh. mind Bookie ran you a leave. <laughs> precisely no this. Precisely this. No way. He'd be, he'd be counting your paper clips every Friday. The BBC have found two of the least televisual families to ever exist. A wardrobe and makeup have looked them up and down and gone, yeah, we can't fix that. Stick them on as they are. I mean, it's the, it's the early 80s as well, you know. Um, and not only I've, that. I've got this through. You see, if Bob's full house is like a snapshot of 80s general knowledge, yeah. then Ask the Family really feels like a hangover to the cultural mood of the 70s. It does. I, I don't. I don't mind that at all. This does not feel like a show that was made in eighty one, even though we know it is. No. Um. That could. That could be seventy six that we're watching. Yeah. Now. And yeah, this doesn't feel the need to shake things up between rounds or like jazz it up with spot prizes. It's just right. Who was the best at answering questions? This it's, is it's a rebellion, effectively, against modern culture. Yeah, yeah. This is fucking cracking television. I enjoyed it. I have mm-hmm, to say, mm-hmm. one of my favourite bits was the first animated segment that we see. <laughs> yes. This was this was beautiful because yes, we we've seen the BBC microcomputer on Tomorrow's <laughs> World. The BBC are pushing sales of this all over the place. But uh, I tell you what, let's not use it on Ask the Family. <laughs> I'll tell you what we will use. We'll use people stood in front of a black backcloth with sticks. Yeah, yep. And we'll move the we'll move the pictures round. Yep, cardboard cutouts on sticks. Yep. Fantastic. Identify the historical arches. And then later on, you get, name the piece of classical music. This is incredible. They should put these genres now into game shows nowadays. Imagine. Just to to stun the contestants into submission. (laughs) This is what you're required to know to be on this. And these people know these. (laughs) Yes, yes, they absolutely do. I can can absolutely credit the parents. Uh But you've got kids 10-year-old here. Knowing Beethoven's third. Uh-huh. I'm impressed because just going comparing to today's level and, and, and the dumbing down uh, precisely those words, yeah. Of 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 current mm-hmm. quiz show questions, uh it's actually insulting. Um I've I've thrown fruit at the telly before <laughs> because people have been thick as shit with the most basic knowledge. And again, it's um, all encouraged by to go back to your main man there, Robert Robinson. He's knowledgeable, he's authoritative, but he's mm-hmm. always welcoming and friendly. He's absolute it, ideal host for this show. I would love to get pissed with this man. Without a doubt, because I bet he knows some filthy stories as well. Um, <laughs> you can, can you, can you say- do an impression of him telling the filthy story? Ha ha ha, come on in. He, he, he used to knock about with Leslie Crowther. <laughs> yeah, um, didn't he? <laughs> he did, yeah. Uh yeah, he's and, and he's a very likable chap, which is why I couldn't understand why Mr. Armand keeps looking at him and glaring at him. <laughs> I think it's because of the way he keeps addressing the contestants. With what? Who the, are you? <laughs> well, no, it's like he will refer to the um, the mother and the father of the family as like Mr. Armand, Mrs. Armand, Mr. Mm. Griffiths, Mrs. Griffiths. It's needlessly formal. And I think it's yeah, putting well, them on edge, but it's just how he rocks. He's like, no, 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 come on, this is the BBC. You might get called Thomas and David on an ITV programme. That's not yeah. where you are. There's no big money here. We'll get to the prizes later. Fantastic. But, yeah. Oh, yes, we will. 
Yeah. Uh, 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 I'm Robert Robinson. This is the BBC. I'm not Derek Beatty. Um, it's not getting any know, better, is it? Never will. <laughs> I could used to do it really, really well. So then, Robinson's like... Now, here's rather a nice one. Who said, like Webster's Dictionary, we're Morocco-bound, oh dear? And then, then Thomas Armand, right? He goes, Bob Hope. And Robert's like... Yeah, well, if it wasn't Bob Hope, it was Bing Crosby. You've got... You, you, your thinking is right. In the road to Morocco. One or other of them said it. We are not prepared to say which, but Bob Hope would do. Right, hang the fuck on. Roberts, are you asking questions where your researchers haven't bothered to look up the answers? You're not telling me that one of them could have cranked up YouTube and checked. The script will have been on CFAX at least. They both sing that line. They both said it. It's not that either would do. Either is correct, Roberts. Robert Robinson hasn't seen the film, everybody. Too busy reading (laughs) books. (laughs) That's right. Or the Beano. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he spends a lot of time reading the books, but he does have some beautiful moments, though. There are some beautiful moments from Robinson in this. Yeah, I love that he actively makes judgment calls on whether the answers are right or not, rather than relying on the voice on his earpiece. Yes, it's, uh, Robinson it's... is in charge here. There's there's no one behind yeah. the scenes, even though even though he doesn't know half the answers. And I suspect no order cue because I, I even noticed that it is a very again it's a very quiet show. Yeah, and the contestants are whispering as they discuss. Now, essentially, you've got dead air. He fills it, and you know he's not using autocue to fill it. Yeah, the man yeah. knows what he's doing here. He's captain of that ship, and he's sailing it well. He absolutely is. Mind you, what's with this? Now, uh, this is for everyone again. A survey showed that the majority of the 320 families in this village possessed one car. Half of the rest possessed two cars, and the others had no car at all. What was the total number of cars in the village? Back it the fuck up, Bob. I'm not here for maths or logic. Can we have more questions about musicals, please? But ones that you've seen. I have to be honest. Um, when I heard that, because I'm not a mathematically minded person whatsoever, uh-huh. um, and I put my face straight through the glass-topped coffee table uh-huh. when he was uh-huh. asking that. Yes. Yeah, I couldn't be doing it. <laughs> I also fucking love that the show ploughs on right through to the final question, which the yeah. Griffiths get right, spoilers, even though... There's no mathematical way that they can win by that point. Right. He still puts the question out. It's like snooker, you know, where they stop a game of snooker because they're like, he can't mm-hmm. win. And my thought mm-hmm. has always been, well, carry on playing until the table's clear. Do it anyway. And, you know, that's what they do here. And it's like, well done. You got it right. You're getting out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mind you, that's not strictly true, is it? First of all, the Armands win. And whoo, Mr. Griffiths. He's furious, mind. You can see it in his face. He's yep. not he's not amused. Yep, he's not yep, amused. Yep, yep. Someone's gonna get his wrath later on that day. Uh-huh. But then again, as it turns out, it makes not a hide of difference. <laughs> <laughs> mind you, yeah, let's let let's hear what uh, what Robinson has to say about the prizes. Uh, I should say that we, we were given to understand uh, before that the Armands, if they happen to win, would quite like some hi fi equipment and that will be forthcoming. And the Griffiths, uh, as a sort of consolation prize, will receive a music centre. So two music centres then, Bob? It's the same thing, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I love that we get pictures of neither. They haven't been bought yet. Both families, nope. back on the bus home. Your prizes will turn up if we remember them. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. How many pegs would you like to pin upon the speaker cable that's going from the vinyl player <laughs> to the speaker on your recently won prize? Well, I can reach into my peg bag and I can pull out Eight pegs. I fucking love this, but I am taking a point off for Robinson fluffing that ad lib about the road to Morocco. What do you say? Fair play. 
I'm going to go with an equal eight. There we uh, go. There we go. It's it's tremendous, this programme. It and is. it should be brought back at once. Yes. With the same level of difficulty yes, yes, as we no, experienced exactly here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have got an equivalent today, I would suggest. I know what you're um, about to mention. Yeah, we have. Yes. But I prefer the format of this because it doesn't change up. It's just half an hour of questions. That's it. They, they say there's different rounds. Mm-hmm. But that's just like yeah. a break where he announces the score. The format doesn't change at all. So, eight all round. But the question is, how many steps up the mountain is it going to take you? I can do it in a neat two. Ask the Family is hosted by Robert Robinson, of course, who rolled up in a 1973 edition of Comedy Playhouse next to Larry Martin, who was in the On Safari episode of Lollipop with Peggy Mount. I'm changing sides. Ten to one, it was his fault. Very good, very good. Larry Martin, Mr Mash, the original cleaner from Grace Brothers, no less. What about yourself? How many steps can you do it in? I can do it in Unos Dos. The Family is hosted by Robert Robinson, who guested on a 1976 episode of Who Said That? Helmed by Ned Sherin, who found himself in the presence of Julian Clary, as did... Peggy Mount. <laughs> well, you all know what tomorrow is, I hope. It's Danny LaRue now. It's Danny to Danny LaRue. Very efficient. Very well done. That wraps everything up for... This particular episode of the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour. I'm not going to ask the family, I'm going to ask Blackout about your socials. Yes, thanks once again for dropping in. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Peggy Mount Pod, and we are the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour on Facebook. For longer form messages, you can email PeggyMountPod at gmail.com. Don't forget to go to PeggyMountPod.com, check out the show notes for this episode. It's as simple as that. Join us next time on the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour. Until then... Keep mounting! The Peggy Mount Calamity Hour is a free podcast from iCall Media which holds production copyright. Opinions and recollections expressed are not to be taken as fact. The title and credit music is by Dr. Velvet. Audio segments and television programs are presented for review and informational purposes only under fair use, and no ownership of these is claimed or implied by this show. For more information, visit PeggyMountPod.com. In it, our genial host, uh, genial host, stupid, stupid arsehole. <clears throat> Got to do all that again, now. <laughs> Got to do all of that again. <laughs> our genial host. <laughs>